And welcome again to Gasamino de Hai Mutamag, welcome Stuggy, Guemi Osanek. Welcome to Fight Like a Bear podcast. We're coming to you from the Cree Language, Culture, and History Center here on the beautiful Box Elder School campus. This is room 121. We have some outstanding individuals joining our podcast today. We'll begin with Ms. Elsie Ornstein. She is the superintendent of public instruction for the great, great state of Montana. She also has served as a member of the House for many, many years and is familiar with all educational things under the big sky. Welcome to the podcast, Ms. Arnson. Give us a shout out. Thank you so much. It's a great opportunity to be here. Um, and behind me, though, it's Teacher Appreciation Week. Behind me is an army of teachers that are supporting students wherever they might be across our state. Sen, thank you very much also. Joining us is a distinguished young gentleman. He serves as the House District Rep 32 for the state of Montana. Uh, Sis is his tribal spirit name. And I think the best way we I can translate that is that this is excellent dancing child joining us today. He is a proud member of the Chippewa Cree Nation and has relatives all over this Turtle Island. Uh, Jonathan has been described as an American politician and a visionary tribal leader. Personally, I know him as my neighbor. He lives right across the street from me. Um, I know Jonathan to thrive in an atmosphere of 200 degree heat in the sweat lodge, and that's how I know <laughs> Jonathan best. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Give us a shout out. Hello there, Jay. Hello, Elsie. Hello, Ramey, and everybody else on the uh, podcast. Here on to uh, thank you all for coming together here on this uh, nice uh, teacher appreciation day. And I'm looking forward to uh, the dialogue that we're going to be having not only today but in the future and what the uh, and what the educational future is in store for the state of Montana. Welcome. Uh huh. Outstanding. Also, last but not least. Our good friend, our good relative over there from the east, a proud member of the Great Dakota Nation, Ms. Ramey Growing Thunder, joins us today in Fight Like a Bear podcasting. She is an accomplished scholar and has championed, championed the revitalization of the Nakota Dakota language in her lands. And uh, she currently serves as the director of the Language and Culture Department for the Fort Peck Assiniboine Sioux Tribes. So, squatch get them hen, Ms. Growing Thunder, I thank you and your people for doing what you're doing, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, I hope everything is going good over there. Atsumo. Thank you. Thank you. Growing Thunder. Hello, my relatives. My name is Ramey Growing Thunder. Um, I'm known as Owl Shield Woman with my people. I come from the Escarciga family here in Poplar, and I'm more than happy to join the podcast today. Uh, my history has been in education. I've been an educator for 20 years, so it's nice and it's an honor to be able to share some of my experiences I've seen along the way. And currently I'm in dissertation mode, so I'm one of those grad students that's striving to make it to the finish line. Oh, I just encourage you a whole giant bunch. You're an inspiration to 
all of Indian country. And uh, I want to throw this discussion open, and I want to also note that um, the COVID-19 pandemic that continues to sweep across, across the globe has totally changed all things. When this sickness has turned things upside down completely, nonetheless, as educators, lawmakers, and students, uh, people serving tribal communities, people serving uh, public-run schools, our task continues. So I want to leave it open, leave the floor open, maybe hand it over to a uh, Representative Wendy Boy, and he can make some opening comments. And um, again, this is an open mic session. Um, if you have some major agenda items you would like to add, go ahead, Adam. Speak your mind. Oh, yeah. Thank well. you, thank you, Jay. First of all, you know, I want to thank you for uh, bringing us together here. And uh, one one thing that I would like to uh, also uh, mention about. Uh, the career of my colleague uh, Elsie. She also served in the Senate with with me as well, and uh, she has she really has been supportive in this area that we're going to be just talking about today. And I I want to keep my portion uh, as, as uh, short as possible and allow uh, El both Elsie and uh, Ramy to uh, explain a little bit about what they have to present today. But also as well, you know, on the other hand, with Ramy with the uh, Fort Peck uh, language projects that she's been going on it's really been uh, enlightening and uh, encouraging for Indian country with what they're what they've accomplished and one is being a part of uh, a language bowl Dakota language bowl in Minneapolis and uh, Montana has been uh, well represented in that area and also I'd like to um, uh, give shout out to uh, all of the efforts of this rare opportunity I, I want to call it because and the rare opportunity is we're going to see the whole dynamic change of how we're going to do education, not only locally, but uh, statewide, nationwide, global-wide. And I, and I think that this is the opportunity for Indian country to uh, stand up to the plate and move this forward and definitely uh, make huge strides in that area. So I want to thank everybody once again, and uh, I'll turn the uh, turn the floor over, the mic over to Elsie. If the floor is yours, and the mic and agenda is wide open for what you have to present. Thank you for the kind accolades, uh, Representative or Senator. Um, we did serve both houses, I do believe, and I was honored and very humbled to be able to be part of that, not only as a representative, but also as a classroom teacher at that very same time. And being able to walk my district as you have and represent in uh, a capacity that is an educator uh, was very enlightening to me. People welcomed me into my home, into their home. And I was uh, given a view uh, where how people were. And it wasn't just about putting tax dollars up for education. It was seeing how we could best serve in education to anyone. And my district, my uh, Senate district that I last served, uh, my last uh, term was in 15, was uh, Southside Billings. It was a very economic challenged uh, environment and it still, it still is. 
so as a classroom teacher and also being able to represent them in the in the pathways of whether it was for Medicaid, whether it was for corrections, whatever that state budget might be uh, divvied up to, it was all about education. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot to what Jonathan had said. This is not necessarily an opportunity or using something that's a crisis or a pandemic that's across our globe, as you had mentioned, but this is an opportunity. Be very blunt with that. Education is going to look different because it was forced to be. It wasn't that there was an incentive of money. It wasn't an incentive of the federal laws. This was forced on us because of a health issue and a safety issue. So let's embrace that new school, that new way of delivering education. And in remote Montana, digital education isn't, isn't, isn't the issue. It's still packets that are delivered. Um, but we wanna make sure that education is looked at uniquely from the student's point. And I'm gonna come back to how I serve as a legislator. It's from how that student uh, can embrace education. One size doesn't fit all. This pandemic showed us that. Uh, one size in a budgeting framework shouldn't be that way. So when, uh, Jonathan, you go back and you're sworn in again for in 2020 in January, we need to make sure that that student reflection consistently is there. How we fund education right now um, needs to be changed. It needs to be on the level of that student and have more incentives and opportunities for uniqueness for that child, for that student. I mean, I'm gonna, I can, talk all morning about this and i know ramy you probably have some wonderful thoughts on this as well but the way that education looks right now is different it was forced upon us let's be creative let's be innovative let's really think very large um, i've got three committees that we're working on right now i call it montana learn 2020 and that's going to give you jonathan and the policymakers an opportunity on how to maybe look at how we can fund schools differently. I want to remove, I want to remove uh, regulations. I want to make sure that our rules that are um, given after the legislation is completed and the Board of Public Ed rules on how we accredit schools. What makes a quality school? One size shouldn't fit all. And I've got rules on rules on rules that are saying we can't. Let's remove those and say we can. So Montana Learn 2020 is about that. Another one is Flex 2020. And that is bringing together experts that um, when we go out and we get data collection from schools, this data collection sometimes just gets warehoused. It has no meaningful uh, rational purpose for it. If the federal government doesn't need it, then why do have school leaders have to spend the time to gather the data and then the data is never used? It's not meaningful. It's not gonna enhance that student's education. So that's Flex 2020. And then it's going to go to our safety committee. After the tragedy in Parkland, um, in Florida, we created a task force that's very, very large and it started at the University of Montana. And we now have embraced it at, at our agency. So how do facilities look when we go back in, not knowing if COVID-19 is going to have a spike, if it's gonna continue, what is gonna happen and what phase we're gonna be into. 
So we're gonna funnel Montana Learn 2020, Flex 2020, all into our safety committee so that when school doors do open, or if they don't, it's all based on that student being safe. And not only that student, but I annotated in my first opening here, it's about teachers. We license at the state agency teacher leaders about 15,000 of them. And to make sure that uh, they are safe, that that environment uh, can be um, safe um, is a big discussion. And Jonathan, throwing that back onto you, you know our facilities across our state, they're old and they are not, um, there's not good airflow. And if we're gonna have students come back into that traditional mode of education again, we've gotta make sure that it's a great place for them to learn. And it's a great place for our, our school leaders and our teachers to deliver that quality instruction that we so want. So sorry if I took some time, I'm passionate about this. Uh, I think that's what gives me, um, you know, that gets, gives me that energy to go forward. Even when we've had so much time and effort this last eight weeks because of COVID-19. So great opportunity to share with you some other things that the federal government is uh, requesting of Montana, but also what Montana is gonna request of them going forward. So thank you for allowing me this uh, great opportunity to discuss things today. Oh boy, this, this is an open mic. Um, a setback is a reset. And I, I don't know how they come up with this. Moving forward, Kiegua, Miss Miss Growing Thunder. Have at it. Give us your opinion. Express. Right. Okay. So education, I just want to reiterate, you know, from a cultural understanding, how different it is to reach our students. I created a curriculum a while ago. I'm trying to pull it up here. So I'm talking about the cultural understandings coming from a cultural standpoint for our students. And we have something we do here up in Fort Peck is we include the teachings in the age bracket. So for instance, we have what's called the circle of life. So the students from babies up until how we call them little boy, little girl, there's a different learning, there's different learning objectives to reach them. And then as they transition on, so we could break that, speaking of curriculum, we could go from elementary to middle school to high school, right? Mm -hmm. But cultural teachings that need to happen. So the only way that I can compare it is Maslow's hierarchy, right? It's a, triang a triangle in order for them to get up to self-actualization. They need all these things, food, air, shelter, clothing, but they also need the cultural understanding. So for us up here, um, we're really big on our sacred rights. So for a student, in order for them to thrive in the world, we put them out, you know, to have a vision quest. And that's equivalent for them to become a young man. And a long time ago, the, the girls weren't involved, but today they are. And the next thing that prepares them to, for is our Sundance. So we have these seven sacred rights that we implement into the curriculum, and it's really practical. And the reason why I say this, and this is a big part of my dissertation, is because it was it was not long ago, back in the 90s, when you know I was a sixth grader, and it was at that time when I realized, you know, there was a paradox between cultural and Western knowledge within my public school. Given the school was 98% Native American, 
So I took it upon myself at that time to bring my father in to start speaking. Well, what is the culture? What does it look like? How can we be involved? And it's something simple like that is involving the community members. You know, what, what expertise do they have and how can they help our children? And then they won't be like me asking all these questions and then rebelling in the end because it's not including my people. I'm in the home and I, I go to school that's not even two miles away and the culture is not there, but yet I'm learning math. I'm learning science, I'm learning, you know, language arts, I'm learning all these things, but where's my people? I'm supposed to be proud. So I, in my dissertation, that's what I'm writing about. I'm creating a curriculum to include our way. And I think, you know, I have to say this, I've made it to this level of being a doctoral student because I have my language and culture to fall back on. I don't falter. If something happens, I have that to pick me back up and stand me and get me out there. And that's what I do with my students. And so Jonathan talked about the language bowl. Uh, it was probably about six years ago, there was a language bowl in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we teach language classes here anyway, but we wanted to give our students an experience. So our people come from a great, the great Sioux Nation, we call them the Ocheti Shakoi people, the seven council fires. And we wanted them to meet other students and have that experience. So we went over there and um, they did really good. And it was really structured like a school system is what I like. It was a packet and anything and everything only in that packet the students were, um, they competed against in a language bowl. And everybody loves basketball, right? And so the, the language bowl was laid out like a basketball tournament. It was double elimination. And in the end, you know, the students competed for championship and then they won trophies, they were honored. And it was a really big thing for our students and it gave them something, you know, to be proud of. So we brought it home back here to Poplar, Montana. And we, we had a generous sponsor buy our game kit and we have language bowls now and people keep asking us to have them and they love them because it's competitive. They love it because they're learning. And most of all, it's our ancestors language. So we found a way like that to be successful in the school system. And then we partner because our program is a tribal program. We partner with the schools and it's been really successful. And I, I hope, you know, other people, see that and you can apply that with the knowledge bowl you can apply that in many areas like i'm thinking of the essential understandings from opi you know because me too i'm a certified class two and seven teacher and i i just love promoting education any way that i can and so you know that gap that exists students don't understand that but they see it and then we begin to realize why our students are failing and falling between the cracks well Maybe we should try reaching out for elders, bringing them in. Maybe we should try taking them on Buffalo Harvest. Poplar Middle School, they just did a really awesome project. They did a Buffalo Harvest, but they brought in a film crew from Bozeman and they made a video and then they didn't stop there. They submitted it to the, um, one of the film festivals and they won, they won an award. And so that gave community pride. So the students brought community pride. See, those are innovative ways today that we can help our students, but it was through the culture. And when they did that buffalo harvest, there was prayer, there was, you know, spirituality, 
Um, the elders came, they were singing, and most of all, they learned a trade that they can't learn in the public school. So I thought that was really awesome. And then, of course, we did the harvest and got it processed. And when the meat was here, we gave it to the elders, the families. And real quick, my son, he told me, because I had the meat in the freezer and I wasn't cooking it yet. And he said, Mom, I don't think I'm going to go on any more buffalo hunts because you're not eating the meat. And I said, no, I am. <laughs> so that night I had to cook, you know, buffalo stew. But, you know, things like that, I'm all for it. And if there's any way, you know, that I could share ideas, I'm more than willing. We've got a lot of experience. We run a summer immersion program up here in Fort Peck, too. And that's an intensive eight-week program where they come speak the language, either in Dakota or Nakota. And then we get them out picking medicinal plants. We get them out, you know, in ceremony. We get them doing practical things in they always tell me they don't want to sit down and write. So I always try to make it a way to be creative with them. And I mean, I got lots to share. So I'm going to stop right there and pass the mic back. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, Jay, there's something that I'd like to uh, kind of key in on what uh, Ramey was talking about. And, and I want to give a little experience of my own growing up here. I'm a alma mater student from Box Elder School. And uh, during my tenure here, I was uh, uh, labeled as a jock, I guess. And I, com wah, wah. <laughs> and I, I competed in uh, a lot of the uh, uh, athletics here. We, we, my senior year, we, we were state champions in uh, cross country, and then we made it to state semifinals in basketball. But the thing that, 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 that kind of um, uh, was was kind of uh, ironic for me, you know, being, and I'm not, I'm not going to criticize the, uh, the, uh, how the school structures and how they approached education at that time, but higher, like college readiness. I don't think I was ready for that because I, as, uh, as accomplished as I was in athletics, I, there was, uh, I, I had a lot of, uh, opportunities and chances to, uh, to sign on to different colleges, but when it came down to it, the level of uh, of uh, education that I had was not sufficient enough to uh, succeed on the college level. And I think that, uh, as Elsie mentioned, that one size does not fit all, and that's and that's a good example of of, of what that is. And I think that uh, this opportunity about this in the existing uh, educational structure is um, seems like a a failure for native students, and I say that because as we as we as we go on in time through through the education system, it's more set up as as penalties. And I'll give you an example: is uh, you, you might have heard my uh, my testimony, Elsie, in the legislature that this, one of the local schools in my district had a. Uh, principal had <clears throat> 33 applications, 33 letters of expulsion. And uh, he, as he explained that, was that there, those 33 students that, that were getting ready to be expelled was on their last, last level of discipline action. And then on the other hand, he had 23 letters of expulsion, and their next level would be where the 33 are. So we're looking at 56 students in one school, in one school year, and uh, that's why I say that it's 
we're, we're penalizing and punishing our students for not being at the level where we think they should be. And, uh, and the aptitude test that, that's ex in existence right now, I don't think our students, like me, are not ready to step up to that level to pass that. And I'll give you an, another example of what's lacking in our existing schools. The two school districts here, Rocky Boy and Box Elder, teach history, they teach math, they teach uh, all of these other course studies. And in, and in uh, Native culture, there are specialists, there were specialists in these areas. And uh, we had astronomers, we have the teachings of the stars, we have the teachings of the elements of nature and everything, but it's not implemented at the level where, where, where it could be or where it should be. As a matter of fact, the majority of uh, the tribe, being our tribal historic preservation officer right now, I've noticed that a lot of the people, even people my age, don't realize or understand that the Ojibwe nation had uh, originated in the Poconos Mountains in Pennsylvania, and as we, as we started to move west, that's why you see all of these Ojibwe nations along the way. And we're the last of the Mohicans over here that was told to, be, to, to go to the backbone of Turtle Island. So these ty types of histories that is important for us in Indian country needs to be displayed here rather than just talking about Paul Revere and all of these other things, Pocahontas and all of that stuff, which isn't even relevant to... Uh, to the history of, uh, of what we should be teaching here on the local level. So I just wanted to kind of put a little, uh, uh, little bit of a uh, twist on what uh, the discussion is of this opportunity. So I'm going to jump in on that one. Thank you, Jonathan. And Ramey, you're spot on. It's about student engagement. And it's student engagement and connection. It's connection to who they are. Uh, you've talked about who they were. And it doesn't matter in it doesn't matter in Montana who that could be, but that connection is so strong. And we are a family culture. We have family values everywhere in Montana, and making sure that we have that directed at that student, because if we keep the student engaged, that student is going to grow healthy in mind and in who they know they are, and it has to be a connection with family. And, you know, I know there was a lot of family shaming going on with No Child Left Behind and, and the previous other federal laws that we've had that have said, well, the family breakdown is what's caused all these problems in education. And that's not fair. That's just not fair. The other part, Jonathan, you're talking about is that assessment to know where you might be. That assessment is so tailored that it... Um, doesn't show the growth of where students can be. It, um, I believe, penalizes not just the student in your reflection, but the penalties of the system. So the school district itself in our regular uh, accreditation rules, and I'm gonna send you a whole plethora of these. These were developed where 50% of these rules are based on student test scores, one test score. And that test score doesn't reflect family. That test score doesn't reflect any engagement. It doesn't reflect culture. That test score only states one time that uh, a student is where they might be. 
one time. And that's not fair. The other part is these accreditation are an input, Jonathan. And I'm sure you've heard, heard a good representative, Senator Jones, talk about that input method. Mm -hmm. We should be basing our education system on output. What, what good things happen at the, at, at the child's level, at the outcome? It's not how many credits, how many hours, how many books in the library, how much of all of these things. Because that's that one size fits all and it doesn't work. It's not working. And the gap between student growth is growing even further. I'm gonna come back to the COVID discussion of where we are with this pandemic. This thing, I'm hearing the shame going on again. Well, students have been out of the building, so they're not learning. They're not turning in their homework, therefore they're not learning. They're not being engaged with digital learning, so therefore they're not learning. That's not true. That is not true. That, that doesn't, that, how do I wanna say this and to be kind? That means then that school can only happen in those school doors with, with that model of input. That's not true. Let's be innovative. Ramey, you need that doctor behind your name. I need you to be there so you can be that rock star as you are. But to, but to tell people it's okay to different. It's okay to be innovative. It's okay to use our resources that God gave us to be able to make that student be who God wants them to be. If I can't say it any better than that. Thank you. That's a little bit of passion. Nothing wrong with that. This is a new era. Yesterday's gone. We'll never see it again. We are moving into an era described by the old people. We're we standing in a tough space. Nonetheless, as educators, as lawmakers, as concerned community citizens, as uh, speakers of dying languages, the era of becoming responsive toward culturally relevant curricula, that time has come, I think, for all of America, for all of the continent. I do believe that as the process unfolds there's a new awakening coming in education all the way around the linear model is gone as far as it can go and i think there's proof that uh, we need room for some change i do feel that tribes are awakening to the fact that it is the will of the people that must change Tribal people need to incorporate, just as Ms. Growing Thunder is introducing, passage right processes that are relevant and meaningful to the students. And I think we're all in the same sentiment in that as today unfolds, Box Elder School is experiencing a major change. We're going through a transition where tribal administrators have gained a new perspective. And it's good. All, all things are good. Uh, being a part of a digital platform, being a Connect Ed school, we're supposed to be really totally innovative. And, and I think for the most part, we're, we're doing that. We're meeting the needs of uh, students. 
And now we're working on the parents. We're working on the leaders. Um, you know, we bring older gentlemen, older ladies into the classroom. We're, we're doing it all nonetheless. Um, like you mentioning, Ms. Arnston, we need more ways to fund these real highly astute cultural pedagogies that bring uh, a greater meaning into the classroom. And uh, I think there's a saying in our community that uh, is where it's at. So that kind learning place, uh, it could be in the home. You know, we could be uh, given the opportunity now to go back into the home and really start to concentrate on where do we go from here. So I, w I want to thank everybody, and maybe we can uh, wrap up by making some closing comments. And uh, I really appreciate you guys' time. I know you're busy. I know that things um, aren't the way they should be. Nonetheless, um, I don't believe there's any sense in going back to the way things were in the past because I don't believe they worked. You know, I've been in the school system for uh, pretty much all my life and served as the Cree language culture and history instructor for a short time here. And I know that in this very classroom where, where we're meeting today, um, when I was a child, and I'm not very far from that right now. Uh, it was, it wasn't very fun in here. <laughs> I can remember some principals, some superintendents. You know, they, they weren't, uh, they weren't the kindest gentlemen in the in the alley in the block. Nonetheless, uh, we'll kind of put a comma there and pass the mic on. And uh, again, you're listening to Fight Like a Bear podcasting. Uh, I promised. Uh, my brother, I wouldn't talk too long. Nonetheless, I'll pass the mic right now. We're coming to you live from the Bach, not live, actually. This is going to be edited, recorded. Uh, we're coming to you from the Cree Language, Culture, and History classroom on the beautiful Bach Elder campus. We're at the very foothills of the Bears Mountains at the very end of Bach Elder Creek. Okay, what, Johnny? Thank you. Thank you again, uh, Jay. Thank you, Elsie, for coming on. Thank you, Ramey. You know, uh, just a kind of a little touch up about <clears throat> finishing touches on what I mentioned about those 56 students that were getting uh, uh, expelled and everything. And that was a challenge that uh, I placed on, uh, on that principle that time is uh, you need to go into the homes of the children that are, that are lacking, lagging behind a little bit and, uh, and no fault of their own are probably dealing with alcohol, drugs, abuse, all of these other social things that are going on, which kind of uh, puts them in basic say, survival mode and uh, getting through day to day. And I think that needs to happen because in our language, we're known as Nehiwa, even though that uh, the uh, non-native terms that we're called is Cree and Ojibwe, but Nehiwa is, uh, is the uh, mind, the emotion, the physical and the spiritual aspect of our total being and and that's what's been lacking the way i see it that's what's lacking in the existing public school system and that's why that uh, uh um my my i guess uh how, how i see things about the all of these aptitude tests and everything is that those things need to be incorporated to include the whole being and not just the uh, not just the way it's set up and and we, we, we talked about this, Elsie, about the, uh, the schools that are on reservations or near reservations that have been, 
have been lagging behind on these aptitude tests, and I think that uh, we need a different approach as far as to bring bring these up to uh, an equal level. And I think that that, that opportunity is before us now. And uh, and uh, I, until we start to address the total being of an individual, in, in this case our students, that we're going to probably be status quo until that time when we start addressing the uh, the true needs of the of the student and um, so with that i want to thank you guys again oh boy uh-huh ms arnson kegwa your turn but before you do that i'm going to give you a, a real fast lesson okay you can see me on the screen right go like this stick your finger out go like this uh-huh Say that. Just like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Go, Miasen. Miasen. Yes, good. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, make some closing comments. You just learned Creasy. It's real easy. Anybody can do it. Well, of course they can. And, and you know, as educators, for sure, that opportunity should be given. So... Um, thank you. My mother uh, was born on the Crow Reservation. My grandparents were Baptist missionaries there for 65 years. So I know a little bit of Crow. I do not know Cree. So, but I am very willing to learn. Always a learner, a lifetime learner. Number one, if you could get anything about Elsie and where the state is moving, it's about student. It's about the individual student being given the opportunity based on them, based on their growth and Again, and you, you uh, shared that one size doesn't fit all. So working with the federal government right now, uh, and Jonathan, this is for your benefit as well, in knowing that that statewide test, um, we've asked for a waiver of that, we're gonna ask for another year of that. And within that time, the accountability should come back to that school district and that community. It, it's not state that's going to demand different accountability during that time of wave. What I'd like to put into play, and we've talked a little bit about this before, is having a pilot program based on language, based on culture, based on uh, a growth model, more that reflects uh, that child's geographic location and culture and family and everything rather than just having it be a state-directed um, accountability system, I would rather have it be much more organic and locally grown. So I would like to go forward to this legislative session then and have that model. And I know besides you and having Dr. Growing Thunder at that time coming forward in 21 and multiple people sharing why this is so important. It is, it is using an opportunity of a fractured education system of tradition to grow something even better based on that student. So that's just one reflection that we can do from the federal government. At the state level, I need help in those three committees that I shared about flexibilities. What can we do that are there right now that are constraining an opportunity for uniqueness and a and a better community culture reflection of that student based on the growth of taking the student where they're at and where they want to be. So I'm all in. Um, I love my job. 
I uh, have uh, great experts at the OPI and have connected across the United States. If you could also give me a better understanding, Ramey, of who you would like me to visit with from uh, another State Department, because if we link arms larger, and especially in our Western states, uh, if we do that, then the federal government may be able to listen at a larger level rather than just Montana. But um, I'm in, I'm all in, and I am so honored by being part of this podcast. I'd, I'd be happy to do this again. I could put other experts from uh, agency or other legislators on or however we would like to move this forward. I'm in. So everyone, thank you. Stay healthy, stay well, and uh, put our Montana students first. Thank you. Ah, boy. Thank you very much. Um, I think it's a good time now for uh, our PhD candidate to sum things up. And I, I want to make mention that the Bucks Elder School Administration, the Bucks Elder School, the, the board members, they support what we're doing. They're products of the reservation. We're individuals that are concerned about our culture, our language, our history. And then to top it off, you know, we're Montanans, we're Americans. Um, we're as concerned as anybody. And uh, we want a real sound place to continue to grow our children, our grandchildren. And uh, we want to talk Chippewa and Cree and maintain uh, the type of uh, educational system that uh, our forebears envisioned. So I think that's a good segue for you, Miss Growing Thunder, to continue with uh, a summary of our discussion. And uh, we'll say our goodbyes. Okay, thank you again. Thanks. It's an honor to be on this podcast to share a little bit of my experience. But I want to continue to encourage everyone, thank the teachers for working with our children, because I have three in the public school system. But encourage them to continue to research and study ways to engage, you know, a unique view of education that is geared toward rebuilding travel nations, as well as other students, you know, in preparing them for the 21st century, for the knowledge-based economy. If we help them in their foundation, they're going to go on and contribute back in other ways. Maybe not in our hometowns, but in a way we can help the economy overall. That's the ultimate goal. And, you know, I strive to create leaders of tomorrow in everything that I do. And we had some good dialogue today. And Elsie, I have a couple states that you can research. Uh, so the Navajo Nation, their education department, they have some really excellent standards that they go by. And language and culture, I believe, is number one. And then South Dakota State has the seven council fire standards, and that's really culturally based. If we can echo what they have done for the state of Montana and expand upon essential understandings, expand upon Indian education for all and recruit people that are based in the communities to help our children. I think we're going to make, you know, segues for success for our students and, and keep it practical, find ways to keep it practical, like the buffalo hunt, or maybe it's planting, maybe it's harvesting things that will help them in the future 
And with that, you know, I want to thank you all. I have a lot to share, but I'm going to stop right there today. And thank you for your time as well. Jay, if I can uh, um, add a little bit to uh, to what to what she's talking about, I think this is a would be a good start, and that we ought to uh, get this little group together and share more of what we want. And one of the things that I like to uh, uh, place out there is put out there as a challenge is. Uh, is your call, Elsie, in the 15th session when we were both in the Senate? I had Senate Bill 272, which was uh, the language immersion pilot project, and perhaps maybe that's a good start for us to move forward here to uh, look at that and how can we expand that, and perhaps maybe Ramey can uh, kind of chime in on that portion of what she uh, described in South Dakota and Navajo land because. Like I said, 272 is already in, in state law, and uh, why, uh, why are you, uh, what's, that, what's that term? Reinvent the wheel? There you go. No, let's do it. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that's it. I just wanted to add that on there. Absolutely. You know, I, I think all of our efforts, uh, there is, there is a, a bend coming. Uh, COVID-19, I want to thank that that little wicked virus for moving everybody's cheese. You know, now we can't uh, we can't hem and haw all day. We have to either hem or be haw. You know, we could we could hem or we can be haw. Nonetheless, um, we have to change. We have to adapt. And I believe transform the transformation of local tribal economies um will become dependent on the types of moves we make today uh, the digital media literacy that we're instituting here at this school I, I am confident we have made change i want to thank the staff of box elder school uh we've been hitting it hard we we out in the community some teachers never been to rocky boy before nonetheless um they've been into the heart of indian country locally and uh they can see with their own eyes hear with their own ears uh smell with their own nose what it's like to live in rocky boy nonetheless here in us new uh you know, we're a kind-hearted people for the most part, and I want to thank you for bringing your kindness to Fight Like a Bear podcasting. Get down here, Jonathan. I, I really appreciate your efforts. Miss Ornston, uh, you're the best. Uh, we support you. Uh, you ever need a, a individual, a school to use an immersion pilot program, we're game. I want to thank you, Ms. Growing Thunder, for helping us, for the work that you're doing in your community. And um, you, you're, you're serving your future well. So to the seventh generation that is being challenged right now, um, this is Fight Like a Bear podcasting. We're coming to you from the foothills of the Bears Mountains here on the beautiful Rocky Boys Reservation, and I want to thank you all. Thank you. Hey, hey.